1: Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to an emergency session of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, joined by my co-host, Adnan Ikic and a very special guest. You know him, Aaron Freeman, at Falcfans on Twitter. Uh, we're all here on a moment's notice, uh, you know, just doing yeoman's work out here to bring you guys the sweet, sweet content you need to break down this uh, surprising, shocking... Uh, very unexpected to say the least trade of Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars for what is pretty complex draft compensation. But don't worry, we're going to break it all down for you and talk about uh, the implications of the trade, why it was made now, uh, the ins and outs of that draft compensation, and sort of why it makes a lot of sense for the Falcons and probably makes some sense for the Jaguars as well. Uh, But before we get to all that, first of all, Adnan, how are we doing today?
2: i um, doing well, but man, I'm shocked. Like, I did not think it would be, um, you know, a very loud deadline day for the Falcons. I'm like, you know, we talked about the lead up to the trade deadline of, you know, will the Falcons be buyers? Will they not? I think we all agree that you no, know, the Falcons probably won't be adding to this roster very much uh, at the trade deadline and they haven't. But man, this was an absolute shocker. I thought Ridley was gone. This offseason, but I had no idea they would pull the trigger this quickly. And I feel like that really kind of goes to show just how just how done this front office and coaching staff was with him That seems like they couldn't wait to move on. And I mean, I don't really blame them. Given the fact that Ridley isn't, you know, part of that Arthur Smith prototype uh, that he likes in a number one receiver, uh, the Falcons just drafted London. I feel like I think Ridley was going to be gone uh, last off season before the suspension, but, you know, the off the field stuff just added to it, uh, including that suspension. So, you know, it, it's definitely shocking. And I did not think that we would be having an emergency <laughs> podcast today.
1: Yeah, no, I was not expecting to. I was, like, uh, warming up, you know, some All-22 for the film review and, and going through that, and it's like, oh, but i to got to drop that. got to scrap those plans because we got to talk about Calvin Ridley. And to help us do that, another All-22 connoisseur, he is Aaron Freeman at Falk Fans. Aaron, how are we doing today? I'm,
0: I'm doing well, Kevin. I, too, was preparing to, <laughs> to record Locked On and talk offensive line and coverage and Marcus Mariota, and now all of a sudden... I have to zig and uh, when I expected to zag and wind up talking about the Calvin Ridley trade and and sort of piggybacking on what i said, it's not shocking to me that the Falcons are moving on from Calvin Ridley. Like I I thought there was almost no chance that he was going to be back with the team next year. Um, I was shocked that they found someone to trade for him now before he's reinstated like I, I put this out on twitter but like internally at locked on all the hosts like we're supposed to list all the players that could be traded from each of their teams and i looked at that and i was like well after deon jones is traded i don't think there's anybody else well there is calvin ridley but like mm-hmm. there's no chance that someone's going to trade for calvin ridley before he gets reinstated so i just kind of didn't fill out that google mm-hmm. doc and, and mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm sitting here looking silly and SMH, all Locked yeah. On. A locked on hosts are just laughing at me because I failed to to fill out that Google Doc.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's uh it, it, the timing is absolutely shocking, like you said. It's, I mean, I'm surprised they got a taker, but based on the compensation, which will will break down, um, because that's the most interesting part of the trade. Obviously, uh, it makes sense, I think, for both sides to do it now. Um, and I was definitely one of the people that was saying like, well, I think there's a chance that he does come back if they can't find a trade partner. I was very adamant that they wouldn't just like straight-up cut him um, because, again, I was like, well, he's too valuable to just cut for nothing. Um, And it seems like that was right. Uh, The staying on the roster part, definitely not right. But uh, I think we all sort of thought a trade was the most likely scenario, and we all, I think, thought it was going to happen last offseason. Then the suspension came down. um, And this compensation probably isn't as good as the potential first-round pick that was, you know... Reportedly in the mix for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, So that, you know, is a little bit of a bummer. But at maximum, this trade is approaching what could be, you know, not necessarily as good as that. But not bad, certainly for a suspended player. Uh, And we'll, we'll break down the compensation right now because it is complicated. So first of all, the guaranteed compensation is a 2023 sixth round pick at minimum. Um, That pick can change into a 2023 fifth round pick as long as Calvin Ridley is reinstated. Uh, If for whatever reason he wasn't reinstated, the Falcons would still get a sixth. But as long as he's reinstated, they said by a certain date, I assume it's like before the draft or something, um, the Falcons will then get a fifth. Uh, Not a fifth and a sixth, just that sixth turns into a fifth. So that's one pick we're talking about. The second part of the conversation is the 2024 picks. And this is where it got confusing because I think Rapsheet uh, messed up his like years a little bit when he was tweeting this out. Um, the picks are in 2024. The uh, If Calvin Ridley makes the 2023 roster, then the Falcons would be in line for a 2024 fourth round pick. Um, if Ridley meets a certain playtime milestone that we don't know yet the Falcons would be in line then for a 2024 third. And if Ridley is extended uh, at any point, then the Falcons would be in line for a 2024 second. Um, And that structure is really interesting. Uh, It's unique in terms of, I don't remember a trade like this happening before necessarily, it's very creative. Um, It's more of like Calvin go like show what you can do. And if you do, you know, earn that extension, then, Both sides win, right? Because then the Jaguars get a top receiver and the Falcons get a better pick. Um, And then if he doesn't work out very well, the Falcons still get a fifth round pick, which they were missing this year. And, you know, more than likely, I mean, it would be shocking if he was reinstated and didn't at least make the Jaguars roster. Like, it would be pretty shocking, I think. But, uh, you know, so you sort of think that, you know, at worst, the Falcons are probably, you know, in the 90 percentile, uh, we'll say, of like things that are going to happen in a normal situation. Falcons probably in line for a 2023 fifth and 2024 fourth at sort of the low end. um, And up to that second round pick, if things go extremely well on the high end. Um, So it's very interesting structure, like I said, but I will open the floor uh, to you first, Aaron, what do you think about that structure? And also, uh, you know, have, do you remember any trades that have been structured like this in the past?
0: Um, The, these aren't this isn't too crazy when you look at sort of like the conditions of picks it's just only different because ridley is currently suspended and so now you're in a situation where like because i know there was a couple of trades a couple years ago where there was like a whole bunch of conditions on one of the quarterbacks or something like that that you could it started out as a fourth and there were ways that it could turn into a second or something like that but um that's what's unique about this one is just Ridley is not reinstated. And so the, the Jaguars are basically giving up a six round pick basically to Calvin Ridley's rights yes. at the very least, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I think for the Falcons makes total sense because you're getting something essentially for nothing. Going back to the earlier points where we we kind of all differed on whether or not the Falcons were, were going to to wind up keeping Calvin Ridley I was of the opinion that they would cut him if they couldn't get a trade. So to me, getting a six when you potentially could have cut a player uh, to me is is something for nothing. And then on top of that, when you look at the potential, you know, incentives and conditions or whatever, that could turn into up towards of, of a second and fifth. Although part of me wonders the wording with the long-term deal, like if the Jaguars just resigned – Ridley to like a one-year contract do they only give up a third and then that's a way of them kind of you know manipulating it and then like <laughs> work out a long-term deal after the draft with Calvin Ridley right. that's, That that I'm
1: not clear on that's a yeah, good yeah. question so I'll be yeah.
0: curious to get more details on the exact wording of those conditions but it does seem like there seems to be a good chance that assuming nothing goes crazy with Calvin Ridley and you know he's dotting his t's or dotting his eyes and crossing his t's between now and reinstatement and and goes back to who we think he's capable of, of at the very least the Falcons should get a third and a fifth out of this I think so yeah we'll see
1: that would be my like sort of average expectation um you know nightmare scenario really doesn't get reinstated because he's been gambling again or something and then it's like a six round pick, but then if he was going to be gambling again, the Falcons would have got absolutely nothing. So like Aaron said, something for nothing. Yeah. But yeah, I want to give you a chance to weigh in on the compensation as well. What do you think about that sort of wild number of variables we have to track now about this situation? I mean, it
2: sounds like the Jaguars um, are doing their due diligence and protecting themselves here. Um, and also, it sounds like this has been brewing for a while because there's no way that they came together <laughs> on all of this today. And in two hours, they just agreed to all of this. So, one, it tells me that the Falcons front office completely sealed their lips on this and not much is leaking out of there. But uh, because we had no idea, like we're, we're all taken aback right now by this trade. But I feel like the compensation is kind of fair. And it, I say this begrudgingly right now because I feel like the Falcons, before the gambling suspension, would have gotten a first-round pick uh, last off-season. I think the Eagles were in that mix. Uh, they ended up trading for A.J. Brown, which, in fairness, a much, much better move for them. Um, the Patriots were in that mix. The Falcons get, at most now, a second-round pick and a fifth-rounder, which, I mean, for a wide receiver, if they do hit that max, for a wide receiver that is coming off of a, a year-long suspension, for a wide receiver that the team was not going to re-sign anyway long-term, I think we can all agree with that. It, it's it's fair compensation, even though Calvin Ridley has the talent to be someone that would go for a first-round pick. It's just all of the off-field baggage kind of drove that price down, which is understandable. I think the team will, barring an injury. I think the team will, at the very least, get a third and in a fifth. I'm also curious to hear the wording wording of that contract because, you know, <laughs> what what if the Jaguars franchise tag him? Uh, yeah. Uh, season. What what if they sign him to a one year deal? What, what's what's long term? Is it a two year contract? Right. Is it I
1: think it was, someone else said just extension. Like, if he re-signs with the Jaguars after 2023, then the Falcons get the second. Um, Like, if he re-signs with them at all was how one person phrased it. Uh, And that, to me, would make the most sense because I agree. Like, otherwise, there's way too many ways they could, like, finesse it. I don't think it would be wise to agree to, like, structure like that. Um, But we don't know for sure yet. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I hope it's that. But also... I think the Jaguars, so I think Calvin Ridley will have all the incentive in the world to, to look as good as possible next, next season because he's working for a long-term contract. I don't think the Jaguars are looking to just finesse the Falcons and have this be a one-year move where they you know save a second rounder versus a third rounder. I, I think the Jaguars are going into this looking... To potentially sign Calvin Ridley long-term and to have him grow with Trevor Lawrence, uh, from the Jaguars' perspective, they have Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley taking up $32 million in, in cap space next off-season. Um, I don't think that they're going to re-sign Calvin Ridley immediately, um, so it, it's interesting seeing them pay that much for two wide receivers. Uh, but, you know, that, that that's, a, that's a Jaguars problem. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say the compensation is fair, but it is a shame seeing guys like Chase Claypool go for what could be a very high second-round pick <laughs> this year. Yeah. And you may not get a second-round pick for Calvin Ridley for, you know, things that this franchise isn't even at fault for right now. Like, that's this is fully a Calvin Ridley thing killing his value uh, over the past year. So that that is a shame, but it is what it is. And at the very least, um, you get $11 million in cap space, an extra $11 million in cap space next offseason. And, you know, you, you keep clearing the books. Um, and that $11 million can be reallocated to a starting left guard, uh, an offensive lineman. And I think that the Falcons will be better off for that as opposed to you know, keeping a wide receiver on the roster who r- really maybe didn't even want to be here, who the the front office didn't want to be here. So uh, I think a separation was, was inevitable, and I think that's what's best for all parties right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the the other part of it is doing the trade now sort of gives the Falcons, well, lets them, like, move on, you know, from the situation. Like, they don't have to dedicate time assets uh like any manpower or thought to orchestrating this trade because that would be a big part of what they'd have to do then you know in the offseason next year instead they can move on they're done it's all it's all up to ridley now essentially in the jaguars to see what the rest of the compensation is but they've done their work and the second that the clock ticks over now to 2023 the falcons get ridley's savings so they're not gonna have him on the books while they wait for some deal to materialize and that could have dragged on you know over the course of the offseason or whatever uh they don't have to worry about that anymore they'll get his money immediately uh when when the offseason starts 11.2 million uh and that's obviously they have a lot to begin with but if they're trying to be big spenders especially when free agency kicks off right at the beginning i mean that extra capital then could be very valuable for them. Um, and yeah, I did appreciate the the person who tweeted at me and said, you know, oh yeah, this is just step one in the Lamar Jackson trade. So, uh, you know, so yes, the the brand, uh, the Lamar Jackson trade is is going strong. Uh, this only bolsters the chances of that happening. So, uh, very interesting move. Uh, a lot of implications. And I agree with with you guys. I think what we should probably sort of be expecting in terms of the average outcome is like a fifth and a third. Um, and I like that Fontenot is sort of just building out like future capital with these little moves. Like, you know, the Julio trade, we got the second and that was great. Uh, but they also got a future fourth that we're going to see this year from the Colts. Um, or not the Colts, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Julio didn't get traded with the Colts. It's from the Titans. Um, and that will, you know, probably be a later fourth, but it's still something. And, uh, they also get a, they're going to probably recoup a fifth from this trade and they had tra- already traded their fifth. So that, you know, bolsters this class even more. So, I mean, it's nice to see how them flesh out these future classes like that. And
2: I will say, then this is just something very much in the future, but uh, the team could potentially, uh, because this, this pick is in 2024, the team could next year, maybe at next year's trade deadline, maybe after next year's draft uh, potentially move uh, a second or third round pick for an immediate contributor, uh, you know, the way that we weren't expecting it to this year, but now that you have that extra pick laying around it and because you will have all of that cap space, it does, it does give you, you know, some more versatility and more of a chance to potentially bring in a veteran for, for that third rounder that you'll probably be getting back from Jacksonville.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Aaron, what are your sort of long-term thoughts on the move? I mean, uh, do you think this is just fleshing out their, their, uh, you know, draft capital that they were missing from some other moves? you think this is potentially setting up like what Adnan was talking about, maybe some future moves in terms of, you know, other trades, or is it just some bookkeeping and clearing of cap and it's all just, you know, It's all good, but not necessarily with any specific moves in mind at this point.
0: I think uh, the Falcons are an open book at this point in time,
1: right? You know, I think a lot
0: depends on how this season goes, and that's going to determine a lot what goes on at the quarterback situation. And I think, you know, as Adnan puts it, I, I do think you do have a little bit more flexibility to be buyers, potentially, at next year's trade deadline, especially if things go particularly well for this team between now and and then over the next you know what 8 9 17 games or something like that right the, right yeah you know the the falcons win a lot of those games um you know and as you know especially in a world where desmond Ritter takes over for at quarterback and, and and has the falcons i don't know like five and two heading into the, the trade deadline or something like that then i think you could certainly be a lot more willing uh to be buyers at next year's uh trade deadline looking for some pieces that could help uh push you over the top but uh yeah i think at this point you know the falcons are moving on from a player that you know that they weren't in on um they get some draft compensation for that i think fair draft compensation as adnan puts it like I want to believe that, you know, they would have gotten a first round pick from from the Eagles. But, uh, you know, I still remain skeptical of that. But obviously, when you see that A.J. Brown trade, you feel like that could have been us. Um, And, you know, the fact that they still are able to get potentially a second and possibly a fifth for Calvin Ridley, given what's gone on with him over the last, you know, uh, 12 months. I, I think is is pretty good value at this point. Maybe not what it could have been had you know everything gone better for him, but I, I feel like this is definitely the Falcons, you know, turning lemons into you know eighteen hundred uh, tequila or something like that. You know, just something pretty good in in their situation. So I, I think it it's a win win for everybody: Ridley, the Falcons, the Jaguars, and you know my favorite part of this is is now the people that hate calvin ridley because of all the stuff that's happened in the last 12 months now i actually have to root for him to succeed in jacksonville so it will get the falcons uh higher trade compensation so uh you know i guess it's a win for me just out of pettiness and a loss for those folks so
1: there you go the brand is strong yeah um yeah and I know, hopefully we'll get some clarity on some of the more esoteric sort of things about this contract. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of argument that, like, no, 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 like, rap sheet, what he said must be correct. But, like, it, it they can't give out a 2024 draft pick that has playtime milestones for the 2024 season. Like, that that doesn't make any sense. The, the 2024 draft occurs months and months and months before the 2024 season if they were going to say like oh yeah he needed to sign an extension for you to get the 2024 draft pick that's that's totally fine but if there's a playtime milestone associated with this 2024 pick that would mean that it has to that milestone would have to occur in 2023 there's no other way to to frame it that makes any sense at all so um just want to clarify that for people like uh the, the long-term deal done, extension, whatever, that is very much up in the air. Uh, I think we're still trying to figure out the wording of that and what exactly that means because that could make a big difference and could give the Jaguars a lot of wiggle room, potentially, uh, with how they structure his contract or just give him a one-year deal or whatever and does that evade the pick increasing or not. But, um, you know, we'll see. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, definitely a move that I wasn't expecting, but... A fun little move here. I like that it It bolsters, you know, this draft class a little bit because they were down a few of those day three picks. Um, They did have the two fourths, but they were missing their fifth and sixth, although they did have some two sevenths as well. So, um, you know, interesting move. I like it. Uh, I like the long game as well. You know, there's upside for future years if if Ridley is back per se. Um, Let me get to a couple of the donations here. Uh, george costanza says not meaning to sound insensitive but if ridley wasn't happy with how things were going in atlanta uh <laughs> skeptical that he's gonna find a smile again in jacksonville you know that's definitely a franchise that head- that's headed in the right direction yeah i mean uh it's an interesting destination you know i think a lot of people are hoping that trevor lawrence turns into something uh so far this year he's he's been struggling but um He's got foyer there, you know, so there's some there's some familiar faces, uh, some former Falcons over there. And he'll get a chance to be like the clear-cut number 1 probably, uh if things go well. Um And then of course George adds, uh what you're telling me is the Jaguars are taking a big gamble by trading for Calvin Ridley. I'll see myself out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get a lot of those, George. So you're just the first. It's just <laughs> the first donation, you know, with ma- making uh, light of that one. Um and then this one uh, from Kushida with the $3 thank you uh, says nine draft picks and 70 million in cap space. That 2023 offseason is going to be spicy. Greetings from Germany. What's up? What's up, Germany? Welcome to the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the 2023 offseason is going to be exciting. Um, and this, I think, only helps that cause. So I'm very interested to see what, what they do. I know some folks were upset the Falcons didn't like trade for any players today. And I guess we can close on that topic. Um, Aaron, did you foresee them making any other like moves like trading for players or move? I don't really think they had anyone else that people would want to trade for. Um, So were you surprised that they didn't make any additional moves today?
0: No, I, I did not expect that at all that they would make any moves which is why I was so happily content to prepare for other topics uh, uh, on locked on Falcons for later tonight. So I, I, I never saw them being buyers and, you know, to me, them being sellers made sense, as I said earlier, but I just didn't think they would be able to sell Calvin Ridley. So um, I kind of expected them to stand pat. So um, no, I, I did not have any expectations that they would go out there and make any of these trades that we're seeing, uh, you know, it's much, much busier trade deadline this year than we have seen in in basically the last decade.
2: Overall. Yeah. Yeah. Like like Bradley Chubb was on the move. Naheem Hines just got traded the Claypool move. Like it was looking like an NBA trade deadline for a bit there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This was a spicy trade deadline. Uh, more, more exciting, interesting than I thought, but not really surprised that the Falcons weren't more involved. I mean, this is enough of an involvement for me. At least it was something exciting to talk about. But uh, now were there, was there anyone that you were hoping the Falcons would move for, or any moves that you were thinking would happen, or you you were sort of expecting they would stand pat?
2: No, I was actually. Well, uh, other than like uh, doing some some work for my actual job on Excel, I was actually in the middle of writing a Demir Bird article when, when this. <laughs> oh was... hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> So, so I yeah I think we were all just taken aback, and I mean I don't, I mean I wasn't looking for them to make any moves. I wasn't looking for them to sacrifice any draft compensation. Um, I think the team is, they look a year ahead of schedule right now, and they look they look really good at four and four with, with the schedule that they have. But I like that Terry Fontenot is right now and has for his entire tenure, uh, as the Falcons general manager since the start of the last off season, I like that he's practiced patience. Uh, you know, he hasn't been overly ambitious. He hasn't been, uh, you know, o- overly bashful. Um, he's, he's kind of untangled the mess that was left for him by, by Dimitrov and Dan Quinn, uh, yeah, you, you know, we saw that with the Julio Jones trade, the Matt Ryan trade. Uh, we saw that with him clearing up the cap space. And now the Falcons are about to to reap what they sow, so to speak. They're about to get the fruits of their labor next offseason. And then we we can see that next step for Fontenot and Arthur Smith and just what they can do with with all that cap space, all, all of those moves. But I don't think that just because the Falcons are playing better than expected right now this team isn't just one piece away this team isn't just two pieces away it's not three pieces away from a Super Bowl either um I'm glad that he's not sacrificing anything long term or any draft compensation you know ju- just to sort of go all in this season you know I, I know that uh people wanted us to trade for Brian Burns for example that was never going to happen the Panthers aren't going to move him in the division um you know, people wanted us to trade for Josh Allen, well, not not that Josh <laughs> Allen, the other Josh Allen. Yeah. I would love to trade for the Bill with Josh Allen personally. Get, give them whatever they want for him. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I am I am happy that that the team is exercising restraint and patience because that's what's needed at this moment. And you know, we can be buyers next trade deadline, and you know, in the coming years because. You know, you're taking that step back, so to speak, to really take many steps forward moving forward. And, you know, it's pretty much the opposite of what the New Orleans Saints have been doing. Um, and we see what a shitty situation they're in right now. So, you know, I'm I'm perfectly content with that.
1: Yeah. No, I like it. I think I think it's consistent with what uh, I think it's consistent with their plan, which is like they wanted to be competitive this year and they have been. I don't think anyone's under any sort of illusion that, like, oh, we need to load up and go for it this year because this is our shot. Like, this is not their shot. This is them overperforming with a roster that is still not very good, um, that's still probably going to have their share of bad games this year. Uh, But that could very well make the playoffs. But you don't go all in to maximize a year where you're overperforming. I think the smart move here is... To just stand pat, make these little moves. Like, I wouldn't have been upset if they wanted to, like, trade, you know, 2020, swap 2025, you know, picks for William Jackson. Just if they were looking for an upside guy there. But, you know, I also don't know if they play enough man coverage for that. But, you know, I, I would like them to play more man coverage. So, you know, maybe that would help support that agenda. But there weren't really a lot of moves that I thought made a lot of sense. Um, Like, I know there was this belief that they should go after someone like a Bradley Chubb. And, like, I just don't agree with trading premium, premium picks and then turning around and paying the guy. Um, and he doesn't even have to stay. Like, you might have to tag him if he threatens to go sign somewhere else. So uh, I would rather just ch- take my chances by offering guys, you know, overpaying for guys basically straight up. Um, and there'll be a number of them, you know, maybe not at edge, maybe on the interior defensive line, but I'm fine with that too. Like, go sign go two to you know, interior guys and go draft your edge rusher. You know, that that's fine too. Just whatever you need to do to get talent in here. Um, I think they want, based on what Fontenot said, I think they want this team to, to function more like the Ravens where they generally build their, their talent through the draft. They make savvy moves here and there, and they do sign players from time to time, but mostly they're trying to develop and re-sign their guys. um, And then rake in, you know, comp picks because they're they're getting all of these draft picks they can't re-sign all their guys when their guys go sign elsewhere they get comp picks back and then you sort of build this style where you have all these picks all the time um and as long as you hit on the picks it works great uh if you don't hit on the picks obviously nothing goes well for you but um so far i i do think that they've done enough uh with the picks that i i think maximizing their picks and not trading them away for veterans uh is a good idea So that's sort of where I land on that. But, um, yeah, I think we we covered this pretty well. We got the emergency stuff out there, got all the details out there. I appreciate Adnan and Aaron for hopping on to to break this down on short notice. Before we get out of here, I want to thank, first of all, our special guest. He is Aaron Freeman at Fans, host of the Locked On Falcons podcast, of which I'm sure you will get an episode uh, very soon after this uh, show (laughs) airs, potentially. Uh, But Aaron... Uh, thank you for coming on. Anything you'd like to plug?
0: No, just check out Locked on Falcons later tonight to basically get the same version of this. But we have some other things that we'll talk about as well. Bro- breaking down the Falcons offensive line play, their coverage uh, as well on that episode later tonight. So, you know, come for the Calvin Ridley takes, t- stay for the film study.
1: Yes, yes, very, very good. Lots of good stuff in there, I'm sure. Also with us today, we have Adnan at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on that you'd like to plug?
2: Uh, I'll have, yeah, I'll have that Demir Bird article out pretty soon. Um, hey, well, what can I say? He's been he's been he's been explosive enough the past couple of weeks to to warrant a standalone a standalone piece. And um, yeah, I also need to start on my weekly articles. Uh, that go over the weekend. I haven't started on those at all. So, you know, I'll let you know.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, yep. And then we got one last take here from George before we sign off. He says, "Seeing what Minnesota gave up to get T.J. Hawkinson makes me kind of feel like we missed out. Can you imagine pairing T.J. with Kyle Pitts?" I think it's the, only re- it's the only reason I think Brock Bowers in 2024 might make sense for Atlanta. We need to give Ritter weapons everywhere. I mean, I like TJ Hawkinson. I think he's really good. But also, like, they don't throw the ball enough right now for me to be trading, like, premium picks for, like, another tight end that they're not going to throw to. So, um, you know, maybe, like, once maybe once Ritter gets started, you know, it, it might be worth it. But uh, with Hawkinson's contract, like, he's he has one more year on the rookie contract than a fifth-year option, which is, you know, not that bad for tight ends. But, um you know, it, you're not getting, like, a rookie contract for that long. You will have to pay him eventually, and then you're going to have to pay Pitt. So, I don't – I think you probably are better off going with, like, a rookie tight end or, or dra- trying to draft your, like, number two high-end tight end if you're going to go that route as opposed to trading for, for Hawkinson. Um, but, no, I mean, I think the Vikings got a great deal for Hawk. I mean, like, the the Lions got fleeced, but, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's topic for another show, perhaps. But, uh, thanks – to Aaron at Fans and thanks to Adnan at Say Which Way for joining us. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Guys, please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Uh, We appreciate everyone tuning in to this impromptu show. We will see you guys uh, Wednesday night for the next live show. Uh, we'll be breaking this down some more and, uh, of course, talking about the rest of the week and everything else going on with this team. Hopefully getting some positive injury updates, but we'll see. Uh, Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great day, folks.